Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. This is part four, the final one in our series with our friends at Moment, And we're joined again, I think this is podcast number four or five, you've been on by Simon Fraser. Hi, Simon. Good morning, Simon. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. So today is an interesting one because I, I feel like I'm going to learn a lot today. Today, we're going to be talking about inclusive experiences and we'll get you to give a bit of background and insight for those, a bit like myself, that aren't really aware of what that phrase means so how did you come to learn about it what what's brought it to the podcast yeah my my, my role at, at moment is um uh, i'm a consultant in the strategy and insights team and part of my role is to talk to our clients talk to the market about changes in the experience intelligence market the key trends that that businesses should be aware of and um I can often get chances, opportunities to go and speak to audiences about customer experience and customer experience trends. And uh, I was at a conference just over a year or so ago now, and uh, I was talking about trends that we were seeing in retail. And actually, some of the conversations we've been having, Simon, about you know the role of technology, uh, different ways in which... People can pay for their goods, pay for transactions and, uh, and other topics such as increased awareness around plastic. So one of the topics at the end, I was talking about sort of key themes and uh, key areas around demographics that, that we're picking out in our data. So I think it's been long known that sort of the, the older demographic might be less satisfied about their experiences. They certainly talk with less positive sentiment about their experiences in, in, in retail and in banking. And I was asked a, a really interesting question, which was, do, do you think that it's, a, it's an age thing? Or do you actually think that the older we get, the less included um, older people get uh, or feel about the experiences that they're offered? And I thought it was a really interesting take that, you know, I hadn't really considered the fact that actually what we might be seeing there is uh, is evidence of barriers to to experience. And the, the person who asked this was pretty well, I think, the next person on stage. And uh, she's a consultant called Christine Hemphill. And she, she runs a, a business called Open Inclusion. And, and she really opened my eyes to the fact that actually exclusion exists in experience design. And there's a, a massive opportunity to, to make that better. There's a massive revenue opportunity for businesses to, to not only do the right thing, but actually to, to, to seize the opportunity to deliver more inclusive experiences because there's a, a huge market out there. There's a, there's a huge proportion of, of customers who today might well feel excluded from, from experiences. And uh, I've seen a, one stat is that 15% of discretionary spend in the UK is from people with, with some form of disability. And it's a huge number. If you think that it's probably only about 15% of the UK population is, is from London and you would never design a product, a service, an experience that excluded the whole of, you know, the whole of the, the capital of, of the UK. So there's, there's lots of very strong statistics that, that I'll go into as to why this is an important subject. But um, I then, uh, after that insights forum that, that I spoke at, I then went to Forrester Europe, which I think last year was in, in November time. 
And one of the, the key speakers there, one, one of the forest analysts, was talking about in- inclusion and inclusive design. And inclusion, alongside uh, trust and safety, are actually Forrester's key predictions for the customer experience market in 2021. So it continues to be and, and will continue to be um, a highly emotive subject, but also one that's that's growing in awareness and, and, and growing in terms of businesses seeing the opportunity and, and seeking that out. So it, it sounds like there's a big potential there. And I think we're coming at this from our professional background. So you from customer experience, me from productivity, not necessarily experts in inclusive experiences from a design point of view in terms of a physical design. But it, it strikes me that We've had things like the London Paralympics, which were really, really successful, and I think really helped people understand the range of athletes that competed there with the the, array, the range of disabilities. The Invictus Games, we've seen Johnny Peacock, who was a star on, on Strictly. So it's at the forefront of more people's minds in terms of um, the challenges that these groups of people face. Yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, maybe a way of describing that, it's become more mainstream. It's not something that's hidden, the fact that there are people with disabilities, and, and that might be physical disability or sensory or, or cognitive disabilities. I think we are, as a society, more open and more cognizant of the fact that there are mo- many different types of people. In fact, what, what joins us all together is the fact that we're all different in, in some ways, and uh you know, the fact that Johnny Peacock is a really good example. He's an amazing athlete. It doesn't matter how he does it, but, you know, he is recognized to be amazing, uh, an amazing person, amazing athlete. It doesn't matter if in some way he is impaired. Um, he is as worthy as anybody else to, to have the stage and, and to, to be recognized for all the great efforts that he's put into developing his own abilities. Clearly there's some potential there. Whatever there's potential, there's opportunity so in the things that you were hearing in the conferences and where you've spoken what were the typical themes that were coming through in terms of opportunities for businesses to be more inclusive one of the the stark facts is that part of the opportunity is that whilst there's a growing recognition of disability the according to the the global economics of disability report there's only 4% of businesses who have disability on the agenda today. So quite shocking, but also demonstrates the opportunity to, to get ahead here if, um, if the exclusion piece can, can be recognised by, by businesses. Um, and there's, you know, just to look at one particular area of disability, and I've mentioned Christine Hempel earlier, but also call out Victoria Williams, who... Um, is an expert around um, hearing disabilities, deafness. And um, she shared with me that there's actually 12 million people in the UK who have a hearing disability, which is one in six of the population, um, which means actually if you then split that down further, there's there's 150,000 people in the UK who actually have sign language as their preferred first language. There is a, if you think, and we've talked about this previously around the sunflower lanyards, um, which some businesses, um, Sainsbury's, M&S, are, are two of them that, that spring to mind that, you know, when customers are wearing the, the sunflower lanyards, it's, uh, it's demonstrating the fact that they have a hidden disability because you can't tell 
for, from everyone as to as to actually do they have an inclusivity requirement that, that isn't evident. And so I think there's a growing recognition of the opportunity for people to, to say how they are, who they are, and for people to give them a service which relates to, to that type of um, need. And I often think about product as a, as a really good example of a growing understanding of the opportunity to deliver more universal designs and and I explain that by telling you a, a story that I've heard in the last year or so from, from one of our US brands and one of our US clients, Foot Locker, which is that um, there was a boy, uh, a young man who for years, um, due to the fact he's got cerebral palsy, hasn't been able to find shoes that, that fit um, him, which go over the, the braces that he wears on his, on his feet and legs. You know, the only shoes he's been able to, to use up until recently were, you know, very cumbersome, very generic shoes. Um, so he went to a Foot Locker store and he was able to find um, some, some cool shoes. And not only were they cool shoes, they, they were Nikes. So there is these um, Flyzy brands that is worthwhile looking up at in terms of their designs. So these Flyzy shoes uh, open up at the back and you can fit these shoes on, on around the braces. So the boy was... Absolutely ecstatic about that. He was about to go to high school. He could wear these these new fancy kicks. Um, his parents then completed a survey and uh, added a, an image uh, attachment to the survey showing the boy in his new shoes. Foot Locker saw the survey, recognised what was going on, and actually sent the family back a gift card. So the next pair of, of, of those uh, flyzy shoes would be on them. The parents were, were so thrilled by that that they then went on to Facebook and social media and shared, you know, brands are listening, Foot Locker is listening, and told the whole story there. So by having a shoe designed through Nike that they're stocking, I think Foot Locker is a great example of someone seeking and, and seeing that type of opportunity. And um, something that I've been talking about recently is the, the fact that people typically tell the news, that they don't tell the olds. So if you've got new innovation, new opportunity, and inclusion is, is a key example of this. By doing something different, you will be recognized and called out for that. Um, Zappos, famous you know, online retailer for shoes, has recently become the first brand to offer the opportunity to buy single shoes. So no longer do you need to buy a pair of shoes and, and to, you know, to, to have that expense, you can actually buy individual shoes. And the reason why that's important is not everyone has two feet. People wear blades, for example, or they might have two feet that are of different size. So by recognizing and spotting our opportunity, Zappos gets a lot of credit for, for that type of work. And I think it's that type of thinking, that type of innovation, which is one of the reasons why Zappos is constantly called out as, as one of the very best brands in terms of delivering a customer experience. I'll give a, another couple of examples and I'll, then I'll hand back to you. So if you think about banking, so banking is, is recognized to be probably the, the industry that has the greatest ground to make up in terms of inclusion. It can feel very technical. Obviously, things have moved much more digital uh, recently. And one of the brands that's called out for being, again, very inclusive in terms of how they project themselves, how they design their products, their solutions, and their website is, is Monzo. So they deliver 
language in a very plain way. There's icons. You can do certain things to, for example, from text to, to audio so that if you're not having to, not able to read it so clearly, then, then you can listen to it as well. So they're a good example of, of making banking more plain speaking and, and opening up the, their design to, to be more inclusive and, and more universal. And the last one, which I know is a topic close to your heart, which is around gaming. So The, the Last of Us Part 2 has been called out to be the most accessible game ever. Again, getting a lot of credit for the fact that they are, you know, not every gamer is the average, not every gamer is the same type of person. There's a vast spectrum of people out there who want to enjoy gaming and they've been able to open up their marketplace to more and more players as a result of them making fundamental changes to the way that that game is designed and to offer new ways of, of people being interact interact with that game, again, from an inclusive design point of view. So that's, that's just a selection of, of examples of, of where I can recognize the fact that by doing something different, by seeking it, seizing the opportunity, they're, they're both doing the right thing, but also getting the credit for it and, and no doubt driving better business results as, a, as, a, as an impact. It's interesting because one of the words you used there was, was average, so designing for the average. If we think about that in a, a physical environment, so a, a store, whatever it might be, again, having from personal experience for a while, when I had any operation been on crutches, I'm sure both of us have walked around shops with prams and cussed at times because we can't move. And certainly for older relatives, having to push them around. It's interesting in terms of, do you think most organisations still design for the average or there's a lot more taken into account of, from a physical point of view now I'm talking, the variations in people's needs? I, I think, again, that relates back to the 4% of businesses who have disability on the agenda. That if we think about the experience industry and um, think about um, the insights and, and reporting, you know, we're all very much focused on on the average. What is average till time? What is the average net promoter score? That actually, that that isn't that isn't right. I mean, there isn't the average customer. There isn't such a person who exists. There's huge variance in terms of what customers want, what customers need, um, and, and therefore by pressure testing, stress testing, using a wider variety of of customer types and designing to, to be as inclusive as possible. And it's not possible to, to test everything, but by delivering something which is more universal, then you have a far greater chance of, of reducing the barriers to inclusion and uh, reducing the risk of excluding all types of customers, but also their wallets as well. So I do think that when, when for example, take wide aisles, which it's something that, that's been forced through pretty quickly in terms of store design as a result of COVID. That's to the benefit of, of the average, but it's also benefit to a wide variety of customers with different disabilities as well, be it you know, wheelchairs or those with what we would describe as being temporarily disabled or dis- temporarily um, seeing barriers to inclusion, people with prams in the case, or as you say, with crutches. So the wider the experience, the wider the the aisle design, the more inclusive the design, then then you're going to please and delight more customers as a result. And I know that from a, a, an effectiveness or efficiency management point of view, that I'm sure you're typically asked to 
to model and uh, and measure the the averages rather than the wider expanse. Would that be fair? Yeah, so it's all it's all about averages. Sometimes extreme outliers, but we're we're doing lots more in kind of detailed movement analysis. So things like workstations for colleagues, looking at uh, fill up trolleys, housekeeping trolleys, till screens, till drawer layout. So from a lots of interest from a colleague side in terms of how does that affect movement? How can you lower heights? How can you increase heights? All those things that you'd want to cater for a range of colleagues, not necessarily from a customer side so still probably some opportunity there and and for businesses this must be an untapped potential in terms of the more inclusive you are potentially means you've got a greater draw of customers and that should transpire into some sort of financial benefit at some point yeah and you you mentioned earlier around um the, the purple pound um so in the uk that's considered to be worth around 249 billion to the economy it is reckoned that there are some seven million people of working age who have some form of disability and then you've got to add on the fact that if you're considering you know what restaurant to go to and you know that one of the people that you're with has an accessibility issue then you're going to choose the the type of restaurant that offers you know the greatest opportunity to get in and to enjoy the experience so it's not just you know, the 7 million is the people, the friends and family around them as well, who um, can be excluded from from having an experience in your, in your restaurant, in your store, in your bank, if you're not opening up to the wider opportunities. And um, this one thing that, that struck me quite early on this journey, I guess, that, that I've been on was around um, Google Smart Compose. So I saw at the Forrester Conference, I think she was from Google, talk about the sort of how that came about and how they designed that. A real positive knock-on effect is through Google Smart Compose, you know, when you're typing and it starts figuring out what you're what you're saying, that it's been able to open up communication opportunities for people who are dyslexic, autistic. Um, so again, that may not have necessarily been what Google were trying to do, but actually by delivering something that helps the average helps people, they've been able to help even more people as a result. So from an innovation point of view, it helps businesses to be thinking in this way. But from a, a an untapped market opportunity, the, the numbers are absolutely huge. And, and back to the average, it's not a book I've read, but I'm aware of. It's Caroline Perez's book called Invisible Women. And that's around, there's lots of stats and quotes in there around design. And the average design is often for Males, so things like the original smartphone designs were designed for larger male hands. Car designed cars designed much more for men than women, and there's all sorts of stats around mm. potentially how that means there's more likelihood of injury. Most drug trials have always been on men, so and even when you you track back on this topic, designing for the average still has at times a certain bias as well. So, be, be really interesting, I think how this conversation grows over this year if, it, if it's one of the top three potentially in terms of growth and areas for recognition and then it becomes wider than the average so again I think it's really important that we're not trying to position ourselves on as experts in inclusive design clearly from your side it's around inclusive experiences from the customer side and yeah. taking that feedback and helping organizations act on it to become more inclusive and from our side it's around that 
certainly the, the human movement part and the timing part is it is it about the average is it about different elements of that and where does that play in so I think that's important to state but actually our purpose from this podcast is to help drive awareness in the conversation which I think is, is a really really important point in today's world yeah I, I think getting inclusion or, or diversity and inclusion on the on the corporate agenda is really important. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of work to be done, but there is a, a huge opportunity to, to drive change by talking in various forums, including podcasts, about um, about inclusion. So absolutely it's something that I think a lot of more businesses, a lot more speakers will will be raising as a result of the fact that I think that I think that 2020 for a variety of reasons has has called on businesses to look a little bit more inwardly as to what they're doing. There's been a lot of high-profile pieces and campaigns um, this year, and obviously the the dwell time, a certain slowness around um, lockdown as well, that has has offered up the opportunity for for businesses to to look at what they're doing. Are they doing the right thing? And therefore, I, I think that, that it'll ride a wave into into 2021, and and also, I mean, if you think about the fact that at the moment there's there's going to be a lot of a lot of shops, a lot of restaurants shut again, very sadly. Um, there is the opportunity in this in this break. You know, the wheel has stopped to a certain extent to, to look at what is being done. How how do you how do you set up the the experiences that that you're going to be delivering when it opens up again? How could you be more inclusive how can you make the experience you're delivering not just the minimum standard required to to meet you know disability rights and things like that but actually how could you create an experience that's so good that all customers talk about how wonderful that experience was so i would suggest to to anybody listening to this that this is an opportunity to to look at the you know look at what you deliver how could you deliver it in a more universal and more inclusive way when everything opens up again it's a final question from me simon you guys collect a lot of insight from customers in terms of the surveys and the various ways you've got of collecting feedback are there different questions more questions that people could be asking to get feedback on this area and to really help drive the agenda yeah on on our agenda in the moment at the moment is around the fact that businesses need to stop measuring experiences or, or managing experiences they they need to focus on improving experiences if you think about inclusion there's probably some some heavy lifting that needs to be done which can feel a tough and a tough and challenging particularly in in these times but there are smaller steps that can be taken from a from an insights point of view um, around as you say that the questions that, that we ask the questions we we pay attention to in surveys and uh, particular discussion I've been having recently is around um, age and gender. You know, there's a standard piece in, in customer experience surveys to, to try and understand the profile of customers. Whilst actually, what's the action that you're going to take off uh, understanding that satisfaction is, is different between men and women? And I can tell you now that nine times out of 10, male customers will typically you know, suggest that their experience is, is less satisfactory than, than than female customers, you'll typically see some form of, of dip in 
uh, satisfaction or advocacy amongst you know people in their 40s and people in their 50s and then typically starts to, to improve again the older they get well that's interesting I don't think it can drive or don't think it does drive experience change probably a better question to ask would be do you have any access requirements and to understand that a little bit more or did you feel in any way that you were excluded from um, certain parts of the customer journey or from receiving certain parts of the experience that, that you desired. Um, so again, moving away from that minimum standards to something which is which is of, of stro- stronger potency in terms of delivering better experiences and therefore driving loyalty and retention. I think that understanding customers' attitudes to to what's going on around them is also probably more important than, than age and gender. And we've done a lot of work this year in terms of understanding customers' attitude towards the, the changes that are being made around health and safety, around COVID, for example. You can do something off the back of that type of demographic or attitudinal question that you just simply can't when you're looking at age and gender. So it's a smaller step in terms of uh, being more inclusive, is to ask the right questions and to ensure that you're doing the right research when you get the opportunity to listen to customers. But also, actually, are you offering as many different opportunities for customers to provide their voice and to feed into to, to your experience design within your business? Things like IVR or video or image capture or audio, you know, are you moving away from just simply straight websites online surveys to be able to capture your customer's voice try and make your listening programs as inclusive as well i agree so listen it's been a a fascinating series i think we've covered loads of ground i'm sure we've hopefully got some stuff right i'm absolutely positive we've probably got some predictions wrong as well (laughs) but hopefully people have learned from the guests we've had on to yourself and Derek from in moment around you know, customer experience, brand promise we've touched on. We did omni-channel. We did the piece on self-pay. We've looked at inclusive experiences, which is one where certainly I've, I've learned a lot from you. So if we've raised awareness on any of those things, brilliant. And again, just for reference, Simon, if people want to reach out for a conversation with you or anybody in moment, where's the best place to find you specifically and then any of the other t- of the team? Um, well, yeah, first of all, yeah, probably try and find me on, on LinkedIn. So Simon Fraser in moment. Or go to the inmoment.com website and request a contact there. And I'm sure someone will be in touch with you very quickly. Brilliant. And as always, we'll link your profile into when we publish this. So it makes it a bit easier to people to find you. Listen, I, re- I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on yet again. I'm sure this won't be your last, your last Rethink Productivity podcast. So we'll, we'll look out for future ones. But thanks once again. I've really found this one uh, yeah really educational it's opened my eyes to lots of stuff i didn't know about so appreciate it thank you thanks Simon. thanks Simon.